Hey, thanks, Rachel, and thanks again for, for y'all being here. So I told you last Sunday that um, a few years ago, I spent uh, a lot of time on our southern border serving people both on uh, the Mexican side and the U.S. side, and uh, honestly serving both immigrants and Border Patrol officers. And that was a long, long stretch of work that we had the privilege of being a part of. And then things kind of went uh, kind of went dead, and the opportunities dried up. And so uh, I stopped doing that work for a while. And out of the blue, we got a call uh, to join Chief Ruiz, the head of Customs Border Patrol in D.C. a couple of weeks ago. And I flew up to D.C. and met with Chief Ruiz, who's just one of the greatest guys. And uh, I mean, when you're in uh, a governmental building in uh, D.C. and one of the uh, one of those folks brings all their staff together and asks you to pray over them, that's a pretty cool thing, right? And um, so w- we did that, and he said, "Would your would your church consider helping us on the border again?" Uh, this was shortly after they'd found all of the uh, immigrants dead in that trailer uh, outside of, uh, I believe, San Antonio, and um, it's kind of during the time where they're talking about the the border patrol officers in Del Rio and shortly after the shootings in Ovalde and that Rio Grande section is just under attack. And, uh, you know, I, I said, Chief, sure, we'll, we'll, we'll go down there and we'll serve and do what we can. And um, so I told you last week, Pastor Mao and I were leaving last Sunday to fly to Uvalde. And so we got on a plane, we headed to San Antonio, got a car, met up with a friend of mine who's done some work on the border with me, and um, we headed off to Uvalde. One of the great things about the state of Texas is that two-lane road, the speed limit's posted at 75. So 75 to me means 100. And we were cooking with gas, man. I mean, poor Mal was holding on. I mean, he was white-knuckled, hanging on to it, thinking, no, Pastor, we're going to die right here. And I said, yeah, but we know Jesus. Let's go, baby. You know? And so we were cooking with gas, man. And um, we got to Uvalde and uh, went into the little town center. And, uh, you know, Valdi's about four, kind of 13, 14,000 people. And the little downtown area is kind of dried up. It's kind of a ghost town now because most businesses they do have is kind of outside in the perimeter of the little town. And, uh, but right in the middle is a little city square. You've seen it on the news, I'm sure. And there's this gross little uh, pond that looks like it's been serviced in years. The water's green and it's, it's just gross. You know, it's got trash in it. And, uh, but around this uh, little fountain, uh, are 21 white crosses for the 21 people that were murdered at Robb Elementary School. And at, at the bottom of each cross, you got flowers and candles and stuffed animals and, you know, all the things. And you've got people from literally all around the world who've come and written messages of chalk on the sidewalk. And uh, Mao and I just, we, we weren't prepared for the emotional. Like, I, I was at ground zero 9-11, 10 days after that when I was working for a mission agency back in the day, and uh, I haven't felt that way since I got to Uvalde. And when I got to Uvalde, I felt, wow, the same way I did in New York, and um, Ozzy, the guy with us, he's a uh, chaplain to the Texas Rangers, not, not the baseball team, but the guys who were stars, you know, and then the Texas uh, Border Patrol and State Police, so his area is that Rio Grande Valley. And so he was with us, and uh, he, um, he, was, he was at the school the day of the shooting. We were there for two straight weeks working with families. And um, we came across one of these little crosses, and at the base of the cross are these two little pairs, or one little pair, two little shoes of green Converse tennis shoes 
where a little girl had written her name and a smiley face on the little rubber end of a Converse, you know, Chuck's tennis shoes. And uh, Ozzy said, this was one of my families. And, um, uh, you know, I want to be sensitive because I know we got some kids in the room, but uh, to put it in context of how heavy the cloud is on this city, um, you know, we would hear on the news outlets the outrage that parents couldn't see their children early on. And it's because the only way you could identify those children's DNA. Um, that's how bad the massacre was in that room. And he said, this one little family, uh, they were assigned to me. And the only reason the mom knew her daughter had been one of the children murdered was because she was still attached to that little shoe. And this is the kind of evil we're facing. And that's the best way to describe it, it's evil. My fight's not with guns and laws and all, my fight's with evil. My, my fight is with Satan. My, my fight is to let the light overcome the darkness. And um, I looked at Mal and we just fell apart. We left there and went to Rob Elementary School and I promise you when you walk onto those grounds, you feel like you're on hallowed grounds. I don't, I don't know that I'd ever seen anything like it. Thousands upon thousands of memorials to these precious children and two teachers. But outside of 21 crosses, zero Christian presence, zero. I'm not catastrophizing this in any shape or form. I, I, I don't think my words could catastrophize it more than what I saw. Zero Christian presence, except for one little sign about this big or some fool decided in the middle of a memorial they should promote a tiny church's vacation Bible school in the middle of a memorial. And I just thought to myself, I'm sure I'm supposed to love that pastor right now, but I want to beat his rear end. Because these people don't need a sign, they need love. Sorry, I'm pretty passionate about this, y'all. So we, we got done that night and um, we, we had promised Chief Ruiz we'd do an event, we'd serve the community, and we'd do all we could, but we didn't know anything. We didn't have a location, we didn't have food, we didn't have an event, we didn't have a partner, we didn't have a local contact, we didn't have Jack. All we had were flight tickets and a car to get to Uvalde. So we talked with a bunch of people Sunday night and they all said, listen, nobody wants your help. We're tired of outsiders. Every, everybody here is just sick of it. And they're right, they're sick of it. So Monday morning, the three of us are in the car and we just started praying. I mean, for those of you that have ever questioned the power of prayer, listen, we just, we just started praying our guts out. And, and, and for some of y'all, the, the way we were praying, it would have scared the snot out of you. Because I mean, we were, we were praying heaven down, like we, we need like Holy Spirit intervention here. And um, so we drove to Del Rio, our first appointment to meet with... Uh, border station we got there they were ready for us and um, walked in we prayed over the agents they said how can we help you and I said no we're here to help you they had no idea why we were there they just knew we were coming so we told them about what we want to do in Uvalde and they said let me tell you a guy you need to meet at the border station in Uvalde so we met with them and while we were there we said hey would you guys like us to feed you lunch would that be a blessing to you and your team and they said yeah you know it's 350 of us right 
And I was like, yeah, of course. <laughs> so we got in the car. We go back to Uvalde at 100 miles an hour. And uh, we meet this guy by the name of Dave Mendoza. Dave, as a 20-year Border Patrol uh, vet, grew up in Uvalde. And um, stopped going to church at eight years old. He grew up in a little Catholic church and the family left the faith. And at eight years old, so he hadn't been back to church. And when we met him, he was pretty standoffish. He was just like, man, I got, I got stuff to do. And Dave was leaving to go on vacation the next day. So man, he really didn't have time for us. You know how it is the day before you go on vacation. So we began to just say, hey, man, listen, we're, here's what we're here to do. Here's what we're trying to do. I want to get in your way. don't want to get in anybody's way. But do you know anybody can help us make this thing happen? Within 10 minutes, Dave said, let me make some calls. I said, now, Dave, I, I don't know how to say this nicely. I need to nail this down in 20 minutes. I, this is not call me back a week. I need to nail this down in 20 minutes. That's how little time I got. And he looked at me and said, I got it, Pastor. No sweat. I got it. So I walked out of there, and I looked at Mal, and I said, we ain't never going to hear from that guy again, ever. We go, to the, we go to the city, knock on a door. You know, I mean, everything's guarded by police. They're kind of standoffish. I start telling them what we're trying to do. And about that time, the phone rings, and it's Dave Mendoza. He's a pastor. I got you a location. Uh, I got you the names of people you need for the forklift. I got drivers. Uh, what else can I do for you? I said, can you come over and meet me in the city and open some doors? He said, yes. He came right there. We started talking to the city. They opened their doors wide open to us. So we'll do anything we can do to help you. What, what can we do? And uh, I'm sitting there talking with uh, the guy that's over at the parks and recreation. I said, all I want to know is how can we help you? He said, wow, that's refreshing. So he gave us a list. And we said, okay, we'll be there. No sweat. We got it. I mean, he's been emailing me back and forth every day. I said, we want to go to the, we want to go to the schools and talk with them. And this, by, by this time, we're done on Monday. And so we're going to schools tomorrow morning. He said, don't waste your time. I looked at Dave. I said, Dave, we got to get in the schools. He said, don't waste your time. They've got the guarded doors. No time, nobody's going to meet you in the schools. And so like fools, we went to the school. Uh, so we're at the district office, and we're sitting in the car. And I'm telling you all, we're praying heaven down. I, mean, you, I promise you would have thought it was three Holy Ghost preachers in there praying heaven down. And um, while we're praying, a car pulls up next to us in the parking place. She gets out about the time we get out. We meet her in the parking lot. Mal starts helping her carry whatever junk she's got to go in the office. Come to find out she's a teacher at Robb Elementary School. She opens up her ID and tells us, y'all come on in. Gets the principal of the high school on the phone and says, you need to come meet these guys. We wound up sitting with the right hand of everything. They have opened up all five schools to us and said, you can do everything you do here that you do there, and we need your help. And they made something happen that I, I was so shocked about. They looked at us and said, you're the only people that have asked us what we need. Everybody else came here with an agenda and a logo and a brand and told us that's what they're doing. You're the only folks that asked us what we need. And I thought, well, that, that was pretty simple because we didn't have a clue. And... Um, so while talking with them, all of a sudden, the next thing I know, we've said, you know, an event here, just what a sin if you just come do an event and do a photo op and leave. That's not how we do missions. We, we send our money, our people to the same place for a long time. Let's build relationships and make a difference. So I just asked the schools, would you guys be open in a five-year partnership? And they said, absolutely. And I asked the city, well, what would you guys think if we were here every quarter? We're in. I called Dave Mendoza. Would you help us every quarter? We're in. 
And the next thing I know, we've got a five-year plan to help create a church in Uvalde, Texas, create an online church next month for Uvalde, Texas. We're going to show up to do exactly in their schools what we do in our schools here, backpacks every Friday, on the campus every quarter. I'm speaking to their teachers in November, praying a prayer, a blessing over them while we're there. And it's on and on and on and on and on. And let me just stop and say to you, it is wonderful, but that is the power of prayer because we didn't have a clue. And, and honestly, y'all, you know the number one question I've been asked? Why Sugar Hill? I have no idea. I, I, I couldn't answer that if I put a gun to my head. We, we, bet, we must pass 10,000 plus churches from here to there. In Uvalde, there's about 13, 14 churches. Most of them run 50 or 60 people or as broke as Joe's Turkey, and they, they literally can't help. And a couple of churches there that could help, don't help. And so we went to folks trying to ask for partnerships and it's just like, no. I called a friend of mine, a church, big church in Dallas, and man, we could use your help. And he said, that's not really what we do. Now, y- y'all realize that, that this is a dumb undertaking, right? I mean, y'all realize this is not how you grow a church. I mean, if, if we spent all the money marketing this church in our neighborhood and making things happen in this church, we could be 10 times the size we are. But can I be honest, God couldn't give a hoot how many people are in this building. He cares about what we do outside this building. And I am committed to the fact that I don't answer for all those other churches, but for right now, I answer for this church. And as for us, send us, we're on it. So between now and when the Lord says there's something else, we're on it. And for the next five years, every quarter, we're showing up. I told you last week, I said, it's gonna take about $15,000. That's when I thought we were doing an event. And I told you, my, my prayer for last week was, could we meet that 15000 By the time I got home, y'all had already given $15,700. How stinking cool, right? Well, here's the good and the bad news. By the time I got done, the budget we needed was about $32,800. <laughs> here's the better news. Met with a fellow the other day, not a member yet, but been attending our church for a few months gave us a check for 15 grand. Yeah. Met with a family uh, the day after that, who, not members yet, been attending for a little while, and gave us a check for $8,000. This morning, I got a note from a lady in North Carolina who said, I saw your video, and I'm thinking, how in the world did you see this video? She, she saw this video, and I, I knew you needed $3,900 for support animals for uh, for the survivor, for some surviving kids. She said, I got that, I'll pay for that. We had a, uh, yeah, we had a church member who said, uh, I'll buy all that gym equipment. And Tuesday, we're gonna have a trailer right outside that we're gonna pack full and they're gonna leave. And we got a guy in Sugar Hill Espanola gonna drive it all the way down there. And um, our team, some of us leave Wednesday, the rest of us leave Thursday. We're gonna be there and we're gonna do uh, uh, I'm, I'm meeting with school folks on Thursday. Then Friday, we're feeding uh, about 350 Border Patrol agents. The Friday night, we got about 700 people coming from the Uvalde community, schools, city, etc. cetera. Uh, and then on Saturday, we're going to turn it all over again and do it again for about 400 Border Patrol families. And uh, we have a tractor-trailer load of Amazon goods for home 
coming in that's uh, been donated to us. All we had to do was pay for the shipping, and we're setting up a store for families to shop for free. Uh, they're going to get a free meal. They're going to leave with a pizza. Uh, they're going to leave with coupons for the week in local businesses. Uh, we're going to have live music. Red and her band are coming from Sugar Less Vignole to sing for us. And uh, what I need help in is, yeah, you can give, and, uh, and we still need all that we can get, and they're going to put a text number up where you can uh, text Uvalde to this number. Now, let me just stop and say, here in Georgia, the way we say it is Uvalde, because we, we add syllables to things around here, but the way they say it there is Uvalde, so uh, not you, right, just Uvalde, and so if you'll text that number, you'll get a little right back. You'll get a, uh, you'll, you'll get a link where you can give, and we love that, but I have three things that after 9.30, we had a lot of needs. I have three things that I need for uh, Tuesday. We're going we're gonna to have a we're going to have a prayer session over the trailer at 6 p.m. Thursday. So if you can make it right outside, that'd be awesome. We need backpacks full of high school supplies. Eighth grade and below are covered, but I need high school supplies. See, I don't know what those are. Look at Lanier High School. Look at the list of what their supplies are. That's what those kids need. So I need 300 backpacks. I need filled with, with school supplies. I need diapers. Uh, and I need two things in particular. I need uh, McDonald's gift cards in five and ten dollar denominations, and I need Visa gift cards in ten and twenty dollar denominations. All right. Um, if you're wondering about the McDonald's thing, if you're a family in Uvalde, Texas, you're probably making about forty, forty-one thousand dollars a year, maybe. Uh, and McDonald's in Uvalde is going to give these families that we serve a code that when they go, they get 50% off. So a family of four can take a gift card for 10 bucks and eat because they're gonna get $20 worth of food. And now you may say, I wouldn't do that to my family. Well, if you were hungry, you would, right? So can you, can you help me with the McDonald's, with the Visa, with the backpacks and the school stuff, and then just give. You don't have time to do all this stuff, give, and we'll go buy it, all right? Okay, so I'm gonna finish with, with this thought. Um, I don't know why the Lord picked this thing up and put it at Sugar Hill. We need one more thing to do like we need a hole in a head. But here's what I've learned. The goodness of God is found in the service to God. Amen. The goodness of God is found in the sacrifice for his people. The goodness of God is easy when you want to love Jesus, but it's hard when you got to love Judas. Let us be guilty of loving people too much. Let us be liberal in our love. Let us be overly gracious. And let us never ask, why should we do that? There are others that could do it. Because if there is others that would do it, the Lord would have laid it at their door. Let's be faithful. Father, thank you for the privilege and the goodness of God that we get to experience it and live it. I pray the efforts that we'll have this week, Lord, would just be the start of some wonderful and awesome movement of revival in Uvalde, Texas people there by the droves would come to know you and love you and trust you and you would heal that land 
such that our presence isn't needed, but our relationship endures through all eternity. And I pray that in the matchless name of Jesus. And everyone said, amen. Austin, let's sing a minute before we get going. I need to collect myself a little bit. Listen to what the psalmist said in Psalm 34. He said in verse 8, Taste and see that the Lord is good. Oh, the joys of those who take refuge in him. Now, you know, the text that says, Taste and see that the Lord is good is truly saying, Test drive God. Like, go ahead, test him out. Just find out. So have, have you guys ever been uh, offered a food that you've never eaten and you were like, Hmm, don't know about that one, right? But you taste it and it's like, ooh. Right? Like, so I had never eaten sushi till a few weeks ago. Because honestly, if it comes out of the ocean, you ought to fry it. Amen. You know? Um, so I'm with this guy, and uh, he says, Chuck, you're, you're going to love it. Well, normally when people say that, I'm like, hmm. There's a reason a lot of people I know don't eat sushi. So uh, he said, let me show you how to use these chopsticks. And I'm like, no, forks are good. So I, I, I go in, and okay, well, I might could do this. You know, and I thought, I'm shoot, I'm going all in. So I just put the whole thing in my mouth. And I thought, pretty good. I, I like this. He, he graduated a little bit and he put me one of his over there. <laughs> but you know, sometimes, you know, so the other day, uh, we're, we're, in, uh, we're in Uvalde, and um, Ozzy said, Have you ever had uh, orchata? And I'm like, Bro, that doesn't even sound like something ought to go in my body. No. And I said, what is it? He says, rice milk. I said, no. Dude, uh-uh. I mean, if you can't put on cornflakes, no. You know? And um, he said, I promise you'll love it. So he orders me his glass of horchata. Have, have any of y'all ever had horchata? Okay, so I take a sip, and I thought, this is one of the greatest things I've ever had in my life. I, how have I missed this? It's cinnamon and vanilla, and you know what I'm talking about. It's like I'm an horchata fan. Like, you know, like, I give me this stuff, right? But sometimes you got to taste it before you know how good it is, right? So the, the psalmist is saying, listen, if, if, if you're in the middle of whatever problem you got in your life, and one thing is I've learned is every human I know has got problems in their life. Everybody. We all got junk. Like, if you're here today and you say, Chuck, I have zero problem in my life. Everything is going my way. You're probably lying and you're in church, and that's not cool, right? So, so, so the scripture says, why don't you test God out? Give him a try. Because the Lord is good. And then he says, oh, the joys of those who take refuge in him. All the, oh, the joys of those who take refuge in the Lord. Now, you've got to imagine the, the psalmist who's 
in a cave who is protected from the elements and the wild beasts of the outside, and he's guarded and protected. He comes into the cave like Daniel Boone would come into the fort to have protection. Are you with me? Just say yes. Yes. You with me? Yes. Say, are you, just say yes. yes. I, did I mess that up or did y'all just totally miss it? So, so, so you, you got this situation where the, the psalmist says, go ahead and try the Lord out because when you take refuge in the Lord, what happens, then you, you, you can experience joy in your life. I don't know about you, but I could use a little bit of that. Then he goes on and says, for the Lord, uh, fear the Lord, you his godly people, for those who fear him will have all they need. Now, fear is one of those things that we always avoid, right? I mean, if you're fearful, you run from it. But the term fear is better written in awe. So if you read this, it would say, test drive the Lord. I promise you he's good. And if you want some joy in your life, get in his fort because he wants to provide and protect you, all right? Then he says, be in awe all you godly people. And then it is, for those of you who fear him, for those of you who are in awe, you're going to, and listen to what the text says, have all you need. Now, now notice, it doesn't say you're going to have that jet boat that you want. All right? Now, you might, right? But, but he says I'm, you're going to have all that you need. One of the things that we could learn in the American church is to be grateful for what we have. Because when you're grateful for what you have, what you have is, is enough. And, and so he says, again, going all the way back, Test drive the Lord. He's really good. When you get in his refuge in his camp, he's going to give you joy. When you remain in awe of him, he's saying you're going to find a natural position of humility in recognizing that he is God and you are not, and you're in need of all of him. Are you seeing how the text is going? And so then it keeps going. It says, even strong lions, strong young lions, sometimes go hungry. Now, here's who he's speaking to. Now, he's speaking in that context to young men who can still do things. So like I'll be 63 in a few months and it's amazing the things I can't do anymore, right? Like if, if you're growing old like me, it is kind of amazing. To, I mean, it is amazing how good I once was, right? But I promise you, I'm not good anymore. There are things like walking without falling down the stairs is now a, like gold medal stuff, Amen. right? I mean, I used to could bound down the steps, but just now it's just like, can I get there without my knees creaking? All right. So he's saying to me and you of all ages, if you're one of those people who thinks you can do everything on your own and you can accomplish everything and you can, worth, you, you can withstand whatever the world has and you can do anything you want and you can accomplish it all on your own because you are kill, bear, feed family, uh, me tough. He's saying there's going to come a time in, in life and he's going to say, even you folks, sometimes you're going to go hungry. And what he's really saying, you're going to find that you need to taste the Lord and see that he's good and run in his refuge because you can't battle all the evil in this world all by yourself. And when you do recognize that and know this, you're going to be in awe of God. You're going to be in this point of humility. And in this humility, you're going to recognize the need for God. And then he says, but those who trust in the Lord, they're going to lack, listen to this, no good thing. But now the term good there is really critical. There are a lot of different terms in the Old Testament that good is referring to. In this particular place, you've got to remember what the Bible said about the word good. The Bible says that there is no one good but God, meaning there is nothing good in this world that doesn't come from God. I mean, everything good comes from God. 
Everything not good doesn't come from God. Are you seeing how this works? And so when it says in the here, but those who trust in the Lord will lack new good thing, those that trust in the Lord will lack nothing because they get the goodness of God. And in the goodness of God, you get the protection, the awe, the humility, the joy, and you can taste and see that it is all good. When you skip down to verse 15, the text says, the eyes of the Lord watch over those who do right. Now, here's what I've learned. The opposite of bad isn't good. The opposite of bad is love, which means the opposite of evil is love. So when we want to experience God's love, we do the opposite of evil, and we go and do that which is right. Micah 6, 8, what does it say? That God requires that we do three things. One of them is that we go and do justly. We do that which is right. Do right in whose eyes? Well, that who is good. Who is good? Only good. Where does the goodness of God come from? Only from God. So who do we act more like? We act more like God himself. God's purpose is to redeem mankind. For us to be more like him, we are to join him in the effort of redeeming mankind, including being able to introduce people into knowing God and discover their purpose in Christ Jesus. So as we do that, the text says, but the Lord turns his face against those who do evil. He will erase their memory from the earth. Now watch this. So there's coming a time when Jesus is going to come again. And when he does, he's going to slap all the evil out of this world. And what's going to be remaining are those who have tasted and seen the goodness of God and recognized in awe our need for him and have called on the name of Jesus and said, hey, I'm messed up. I need help and I need you. And you say, well, Chuck, I'm not in for religion. I'm not in for church. I I don't want to try to get good. Well, I got a lot of people in this room right now watching online who have tried religion, who have tried church, and have tried to do good, and you're as whacked out as we are, right? And the problem is because chasing after religion and trying to be good at church and trying to become a good person is not the goal here. The goal is to taste and see that the Lord is good, to know his joy by coming into the refuge of his safety. We do that by recognizing that God loves us so much that he sent us Jesus to die for us, to pay the penalty for all of our wrong and selfishness, was buried for us, was dead as dead could be, three days later rose from the the dead, hung around 40 or 50 days, gave us exactly what we're supposed to do until he returns, left this earth and is sitting beside God the Father praying for you right now. Now, you're sitting here today and you say, Chuck, I don't feel like Jesus is praying for me right now. That's okay. Prayer is not a feeling. Jesus is not an emotion. Prayer is a true activity that is communication with a real God. It is not contingent on our feelings, Right? That's why when you get, you know, folks just going hyper crazy and swinging for chandeliers and handling snakes and all of that, that's just hyper emotion, right? Do you think God's impressed by that foolishness? I mean, come on. God is impressed by one thing, him. There's nothing we can do to make God love us more. He just loves us. So he makes this plan. So the psalmist goes on and he says, I'm going to wipe out all that. And in verse 17, he says, the Lord hears his people when they call to him for help. He rescues them from all their troubles. Now, you might be here today and say, Chuck, I've tried this prayer thing. Never worked for me before. 
I mean, literally, this one time, Chuck, I'm going into the, to the bankruptcy court, and I'm praying that everything will work out, and I went in there, and the whole thing was a disaster, and where was God when that happened? I was praying that my, my marriage would be healed, and now I'm divorced. What, what happened? I was praying that mom would get healed, and now she's dead. What happened? How many of you in the, in the past few months have tried to start getting healthy and losing weight? Anybody? Anybody? Yeah, Okay. Um, almost every Sunday, somebody comes up to me afterwards to tell me how I can lose weight. <laughs> Honest goodness, I'm not making this up, all right? Let me just stop and say, today's not a good day to do that. <laughs> Especially if it's a pyramid plan, right? Because honestly, I'll hit you today. In love, in love. But so, uh, so you know, have y'all recognized that you take Monday and you eat no carbs, and you walk a mile, and you drink a gallon of water, you get your 10,000 steps going from the desk to the restroom and back. <laughs> are, are you with me? Have y'all recognized that the next day you're not four sizes smaller? Isn't that amazing how that works? Because you have to do this over and over and over again. Now, I want you to watch this because this is so cool. So Bruce is sitting right down here. He's my friend. It, uh, the more I get to know Bruce, the closer we get. And the closer we get, the more stuff we share about each other, the more we know each other. And the, the more me and Bruce hang out, the more, the more it's easy for me to just pick up the phone and say, hey, Bruce, could you? Or he'd say, hey, Pastor, could you? Or, and it just becomes kind of give and take, right? Like my, my best buddy on the planet, it's Rusty Thigpen. And we, we talk to each other every day about stuff, right? I mean, it's just we talk about NASCAR. We talk about the Braves. We talk about the dogs. We talk about church. We talk about everything, right? We talk about everything. And... Um, uh, the more I get to know Rusty and the more he gets to know me, the more, the more, the easier the communication is. Like I can finish his sentences now, right? Did you know it's the same way with God? That if, if the only time you come to God is in that moment of crisis, it's like, fix it! What if God needs you in that sorrow for a moment for you to come all the way to be with him and trust him? Did you realize without suffering we'd never turn to God? We'd never do that because we're so stinking self-sufficient. We're just like the people of Israel wandering in the desert for 40 years. Like, I got this, God. I can do it. But the psalmist is saying, but you young lions, you're going to go hungry sometimes. You see, the thing is, it's every day. It's every day. You say, well, Chuck, I don't, I don't even know how to do this. Okay, watch this. Tomorrow morning, open a weekday podcast in the Sugar Hill app, weekdaypodcast.com, subscribe to it, whatever. There's a million ways to get it. You get on Spotify Apple, whatever, right? Weekday podcast, five minutes a day. Scripture, quick commentary. You want to do a little meditation? Download Soul Space. It's free. Every day you get a five-minute meditation. How easy is that? How easy is it to write down two things I'm grateful for? You say, but Chuck, I just don't have time for that. Okay. Let, turn with me over to uh, 2 Chronicles chapter 36, verse 24. Thou who says you have no time is being a foolish idiot. No, that's not in there. All right. So some of y'all are like, I'm looking for that, but I can't find it. All I'm trying to point out to you is that, listen, I make time for those things which I want to know. I make time for those things who I want to be with. I make time for those things that matter to me. Don't you? You want to know God, know his purpose for your life? 
This is why you do it. Listen to the, the last text of the day, verse 18. The Lord is close to the brokenhearted. He rescues those whose spirits are crushed. All right, put that on the screen, guys. The Lord is close to the brokenhearted. He rescues those whose spirits are crushed. Now I want you to say it with me. Ready? The Lord, no, that's not loud enough. You guys start over again. The Lord is close to the brokenhearted. He rescues those whose spirits are crushed. This time I want you to put a, a verbal highlighter on brokenhearted and crushed, all right? So it sounds like this. The Lord is close to the brokenhearted. He rescues those whose spirits are crushed. Are you with me? Won't that be fun? Okay, here we go. The Lord is close to the He rescues those whose spirits are crushed. Yeah. Okay, now watch this. So if you are saying, well, Chuck, okay, if I need to get close to God and I need to know God, where do I go to find him? The Lord is close to the brokenhearted. He rescues those whose spirits are crushed. All right? If I want to get to know you, I got to hang out with you. I got to do stuff with you. I got to care about you. I got to want to know about you. Well, you know what? If you want to know God, he is right there waiting on you. He hadn't been anywhere. He's in the very same place he was when Jesus died for you, where he rose from you, and he's sitting with him right now, all for you, waiting on you to get to know him and to know his purpose in your life. It's that simple. Well, Chuck, where do I go near the brokenhearted? Even Harvard Med says this, if you're anxiety riddled, if you are depressed, the fastest way out is to go serve people that are what? Brokenhearted and their spirits are crushed. If you just take a minute and look around this room, you're going to find people that are brokenhearted and their spirits are crushed. They're everywhere. They're in Uvalde, Texas, and they're sitting in this room and they're watching online. And you say, well, Chuck, why? Why should the church care about this? Why should, why, why should you try to help me know God and to know my purpose in life? Because when you know God, you will draw near the brokenhearted, and those of you who are brokenhearted will be healed, and those of you who are crushed will be helped. Because near the Lord is where he is doing his work, and our job is to know where he is at work, chase after what he is already doing, and join him in that work. And when we do that, we are near him, and we know him, and as we know him, we know our purpose in his work through Christ Jesus. But I got to know him, and the only way that I am going to do that is I'm going to taste and see that he is good. I'm going to come under his refuge by trusting Jesus as my Savior. I'm going to know that he'll provide every good thing. And in the middle of that, his eyes are going to watch over me. And he's going to worry about the evil in the world. And I need to worry about being able to know him. Stop fighting with the world and start letting God heal your soul. And as we do that, he says that the Lord is going to hear his people when we call, and he's going to rescue them from all our troubles. Why should we go to the brokenhearted and those that spirits are crushed? Watch this. This is the end of my sermon, but I want you to hear me this. Are you ready? We don't go because they're brokenhearted. We go because we're brokenhearted. We don't go because their spirits are crushed. We go because our spirits are crushed. And when you take one broken heart and another broken heart, and you let God get in the middle of it, healing happens. But if you let them hang out there on your own, you're going to stay broken as well. Because God's equation 
is always about grace plus intentionality equals transformation. Grace plus intentionality equals transformation. When you extend the grace of Christ to brokenhearted and crushed people and you get intentional about serving them, transformation happens in them and it happens in you. And that's why. That's why you do what the Lord lays at your door to do. Let's pray. God, thank you. You are an awesome and wondrous God. And in Christ Jesus, you said that if we call on his name, we can know you and we can discover our purpose in you. Lord, we know the, the old preacher said that you, when you call on the name of the Lord, you'll be saved. And sometimes, Lord, we have to remember what we're saved from, that if we can ask Jesus just to come into our life and we can taste and see that you are good, that he doesn't just give us heaven and that we don't have to die and the world isn't at an end, but we can live forever. But we can take refuge in his cave. We can taste and we can see that the Lord is good. And when we are brokenhearted, we know that he draws near to us. And when our spirits are crushed, he draws near to us. And that in him, we serve those whose spirits are crushed and are brokenhearted. And Lord, I can't help but believe there are folks online and in this room that would say, Chuck, today, I, I don't even understand all this, but I want Jesus in my life. And I need him in my life. And my heart that is broken needs healed. And my spirit that is crushed needs to be revived. And friend, listen, you, you don't join a church to fix that. You don't give or go on a mission trip to fix that. You, you taste and see that the Lord is good by saying, Jesus, step into my life and forgive me. Make me new. Thank you for dying for me and raising from the dead for me. I want to live for you and stop living for me. And you can say it right there in your heart right now. Just say it with me. Jesus, forgive me. Would you be my Lord, my Savior? I don't even know what all that means yet. But I believe you did die for me and you did raise from the dead for me. And I want your protection. I want to live in your refuge. And I want to taste and see that you're good. If today that's... That's the hope and the desire of your heart. Man, I'm not going to embarrass you. Just slip your hand up so I can pray for you real quick. Amen. Anybody else? Amen. Anybody else? Just lift your hand. Let me see who you are. Amen. 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 Anybody else? Amen. And there's a lot of us here today, though, that we, we've been doing the church thing for a long time, man. We've been trying to be good for a long time, and We've forgotten that we just need to taste and see that the Lord is good and we need to run and let our broken heart be healed by serving folks with a broken heart. Lord God, break our heart in Jesus' name. Amen. I'm going to invite you right now just to get up where you're at and come to the altar and we'll finish in a couple of minutes. You might say, Chuck, I, just, I want to pray for you, Valdi. I want to pray for my family. I want to pray for me. I want to... I need, 
I need healing in my life, whatever it is. Just get up. All it takes is two people and everybody else will come. Just come on. Don't just be that person. Come on. There's nothing magical about being on your knees. There's nothing magical about an altar. But there's something awesome and wondrous about finding ourselves in a posture of prayer that just says, Jesus, I'm surrendering it all to you and I'm turning my brokenhearted life to you and I'm gonna trust you. And I don't even know what that means yet, but I'm gonna trust you. And there's something that's awesome about that. The Israelites referred to the Lord as Yahweh. And in the day when they traveled through the desert for all those years, it wasn't uncommon for them to sing something that sounded like, We lift you high, Yahweh, Yahweh. We lift you high, Yahweh, Yahweh. They were speaking of the prophet Isaiah, who in the midst of trouble and sorrow saw the Lord lifted high above all others and he found himself in awe of the goodness of God. And they couldn't help but sing, we lift you high, Yahweh, Yahweh. Sing it with me. We lift you high, Yahweh, Yahweh. Keep singing it. We lift you high, Yahweh, Yahweh. He is worthy. He is the Lord God Almighty. He's not the man upstairs. He is Yahweh, the thrice holy God of all creation, and He loves you, and He wants you to sing and worship and know Him in your heart, that you will lift Him high, Yahweh, Yahweh, sing it again. We lift you high, Yahweh, Yahweh. Let me pray this blessing over you. As you leave today, let Yahweh go before you and make a way and make your crooked path straight. Oh, my stars, that's what he does. Let Yahweh, the Lord, the God of all creation go within you and bring you peace and joy, fulfillment and contentment because he is always good and you are always loved, always. And when times get difficult and they will, when you are brokenhearted and your spirits are crushed, let Yahweh come behind you and pick you up and carry you. Not around the problem, that'd be too stinking easy carry you through the middle of it 
only to set you down victoriously on your two feet and wipe away your tears and kiss you on the forehead and wrap his loving arms around you as Yahweh draws you close to him so you can taste and see that he is good and let him look you in the eye and say, my child, say it with me, I love you. Say it so the Methodists hear it. I love you. Say it so the Pentecostals hear it. I love you. Now say it for those deaf Presbyterians. I love you. Now say it like you mean it. Taste and see that the Lord is good. God bless you. Go in peace. Thank y'all.